just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your News Radio 840 WHAS. Good Sunday morning. Bob Sekolder, the Louisville Real Estate Show as we head towards Thanksgiving in a couple of weeks. We're getting all of us ready for it. And who are is here getting ready for it, you may ask? Well, I'm glad you did. Kevin Dissler, Pitt & Frank Attorneys, is joining us once again. You can reach Kevin and everybody over at Pitt & Frank. They do great closings. And you can pick the attorney that you want to close your loan. 895-9900 is Kevin's number also hey, here. Good morning. Good morning. Also here, another great guy who is the head guy over at Brad at Home Speed and Home Team Inspection Service, or as we like to call it, Brad Lawler Inspection Service. Right. No, it is Home yeah. Team Inspection Service. You can reach him. They come in as a team. They're the number one home team inspection service in the country. Now seven, hopefully soon, eight years in a row. You can reach Brad and his folks at 844-411-TEAM. And you can reach me, Bob Sicko. Hey, uh, you can reach me anytime on my cell phone, 376-5483. If you're thinking about listing your home now, next year, years before, beyond, call me, free consultation, no commitment. Just we just talk, figure out what the plan should be. Also, if you're looking to buy a home, I've got 12 agents who are ready to help you. If you want to see a copy of this show, because we're doing this still as a Zoom show, uh, so it gets sent to 840WHS and gets sent to YouTube all at the same time, pretty much. You can see a rebroadcast and the video of the show at the same time. Go to LouisvilleAnswers.com. That's www.LouisvilleAnswers.com. And what we do is we take your questions in the form of an email. Bob at WeSellLouisville.com is direct uh, direct phone number or the email address. You can also call me. But the email address, Bob at WeSellLouisville.com, and put radio show question in the subject line and the question in the actual body of the email. And I don't know if I mentioned it. You can reach me on my cell. I did 376-5483. Okay, here we go. So this one is an interesting question. We'll start off with Brad. I, I haven't heard this before, but Brad, hopefully you know the answer. Matthew uh, just bought a home, moved in, and he sent us an email as he has heard us talk about. It. He says he works from home. It depends on his Internet and Wi-Fi to work dependably. But he noticed that whenever he runs his microwave, his computer stops communicate, communicating with the Internet. Is there some sort of cause effect going on there? You know, I that is an interesting question. You know, a lot of people are tracking EMF in their house. Uh -huh. I don't I mean, I'm thinking, though, I mean, a microwave is not really putting out EMF. Uh, it's not exactly how they work. So I don't know. It's uh, unless he's got some sort of a power surge that's messing with the router, causing some sort of a blip uh, there. He may want to try plugging his microwave into another um, uh, outlet or plug his router into another outlet. But if, it, uh, and if it's built into the wall, I don't think his microwave is going to go anywhere to plug well, in. But it, I, I get the if point. If it's built yeah. in, but yeah. yeah, I mean, if it's a countertop unit, but you, yeah. you may want to just plug the router in because it may be an electrical. Uh, he may be having a surge there that is that's knocking out um, some of the power to the uh, to the to the router to the, his um, his computer too. So that's could, where I'd could start, the microwave be misfunctioning? Else. Could the microwave? I don't. No, I don't think so. I don't know that that would be any okay. cause because it's not it's not using uh, magnetic frequencies there. So uh, well, there is the word wave. There is the there is yes, but Waves. I don't know that. Uh, but those are all shielded. I mean, you know, okay. I know people with pacemakers aren't supposed to stand you know close to them. So yeah, uh, as a precaution, but. Um, yeah, I don't know, unless All he's right. got a microwave from, uh, you know, the early 70s. Well, I don't know. But yeah. listen, if folks, if you have this problem, when you turn on your microwave to cook something and uh, you lose connectivity, 
Let us know because maybe there is something yeah. to it. And maybe Could Brett be. just do some research down the road. We'll yeah. see yeah, sounds like it uh, sounds like an electrical <laughs> gremlin. Yeah, all right. We go over to Kevin Disler with Pitt and Frank. All right. So listen carefully to this email, Kevin. Well, this is gonna right. need some real hard uh thinking. Um Arnold writes in that he bought a beautiful home. In fact, he would call it his dream home. But because Richard, who's the seller, had not found his next home, Arnold agreed to let Richard, again the seller, stay in the property after closing and pay rent to Arnold for three months. So that's always a concern. Make sure you have an attorney write up that document so far. Right, Kev? You agree right. with it's that? It's got a post-closing occupancy agreement. Got it. There's a reason for that. Because now we fast forward one month, and Richard, again, who's the seller, and is also the renter, because he's no longer selling, he sold it, he's renting, fell off a ladder at the home. And apparently, Richard had no insurance and insisted on suing Arnold, the new owner, because he said they were responsible. He Apparently, he was doing something in the house, and he fell. So Arnold, who is the buyer and now owner, is countersuing. Richard is refusing to move out of the house even after the lease expired. Arnold says the whole thing is just a complete disaster. What's the next step? Okay. Wow. Um, yeah. That's why we, we always suggest that a post-closing occupancy agreement, if there's any other way to do it, to avoid it. And just, and again, I've been doing this a, a long enough period of time. We had one where the they got divorced two weeks after the closing. The uh, soon-to-be ex-wife refused to get out. The worst one was someone actually committed suicide a couple weeks after the closing. Uh, so th those type of situations can occur, and that's why it's good to have possession day of closing, which is standard in the industry. Sometimes you'll do three days, something like that, but it's a short period of time. And the other reason, it's a post-closing occupancy agreement, not a rental or lease agreement, because it puts you in a, uh, a, a landlord. A, yes. But, well, it makes you a landlord tenant, and then yeah. there's protections available under local law as well as state law. If you're a tenant, like they refuse to get out uh, an eviction. Uh, there's a whole myriad of legal rights that tenants have. So it's always got to be framed as you're not a, a tenant, you are a occupant, which is a short period of time. It's like a license to, to use the property for a short period of time. So they got themselves in a uh, quite the pickle, I guess is a good way of saying it. <laughs> and the attorneys will probably feast on it for, for a little bit. But, you know, in that situation, you just have to talk to your insurance agent. I'm thinking about doing this. They're going to be in there for three months. Here's what type of policy can the occupant provide? Mm -hmm. What kind of policy do I need to cover me for all these contingencies? Because a lot of time, a homeowner's policy will only cover you for a very short period of time after you've sold the, sold the property. Mm -hmm. You don't have an insurable interest anymore. See an attorney, talk to your insurance agent, avoid it at all costs if you can, and just make sure if your insurance agent says they can't cover you for these type of risk, you got to say no. Um, yeah. And, and again, the key thing to take away, folks, is if there are forms on our GLAR, the Greater Louisville Association of Realtor website that we can use, but it's so much better. It's so much stronger if an attorney like Kevin does this and writes it out and then gets signatures. So you have some teeth in it if the other side doesn't perform. Well, right? That's com what's common. Though, you, you all have the forms. It's always usually in your normal deals be what, a three, five? business day days right yeah, three days. months Short that's that's crazy that, that's yeah. a long period of time so all right we're moving on 
Back over to you, Brad. By the way, Greg, son Greg, is uh, off uh, next couple of weeks. Uh, he's up in New York uh, for a family wedding that I'm attending as well. So, uh, AJ wrote in this email, he's buying a home that appears to be not very energy efficient. In fact, uh, Brad, I sent you an email on this a couple of uh, weeks ago. He said he'd like to save some money on his heating and air conditioning costs. And he read about something that's apparently brand new. And folks, this is rather interesting. Even I'm interested. It seals leaky air ducts by doing some sort of coating of the inside of the air ducts. Yeah. I was wondering, is there, do we know anything about it? Yeah. So it, it is brand new. Uh, we did a little bit of investigative work and I worked with uh, an HVAC uh company owner who has a lot of familiarity with energy audits and mm -hmm. sealing up houses. This product is so new, no one knows anything about it. Wow. When you read about it, though, uh, there's a few things that stand out as a little bit scary because it is going in as what they're calling nanoparticles. It's a, I think it was a, a PVC polyvinyl chloride type of um, nanoparticles that are sent in. But the way that you read it is that they stick to each other. Now, anything that sticks to each other means that other things are going to stick to those things that stick to each other. So while it's sealing up uh, cracks, the questions that came up immediately were, how sticky does this remain? And mm -hmm. there is no information out there from this entrepreneur that who has created this product. Um, so this one may be one of those products that's so advanced uh, that the there's unknown side effects of putting this into your home. So you know, anytime we can seal up cracks, anytime we can seal up, you know, small areas that air can flow in and out of, it's definitely making your house more efficient. But right now we probably are looking at windows, you know, caulking around those windows. If you've got a, you know, a leaky door, replace the weather stripping on it. If you've got, uh, if you live in one of those older homes with that one inch gap underneath the door, get one of those little uh, draft uh, protectors, those draft dodgers that just slide under the bottom. Those things will gain you a lot of energy efficiency uh, for the, uh, the the cold, cold weather that is to come. We're already dealing with a little snap of it right now, but yeah. I would probably do those things before I would start spraying sticky chemicals into uh, my air ducts. By the way, speaking of those little things that slide under your door, just this week, mm -hmm. I replaced one that slid under the door. This one attaches with Velcro on the inside of the door, but doesn't go on the outside of the door. So I'm testing that out. Amazon yeah. had it was like 12 bucks. Yeah. I'll keep you posted on whether or not it's worth the time to buy that if you're thinking about it. By the way, if you'd like to hear what uh, sellers are saying about us, head to louisvillesellerstalk.com. By the way, you can also read reviews about us and go to louisvillezillow.com for Zillow reviews or louisvillegoogle.com for Google reviews. All right. Trish is writing us and buying a home up until this past week, Kevin, because the lease on her apartment was up at the end of October. Her, her agent persuaded the sellers to, and the seller's agent to let Tish, I guess it's Tish, not Trish, Tish put her furniture into the garage. Now, this is also dangerous. Don't you agree? Here we go. Yeah, here we go. So, but Wednesday, the financing fell through. Okay. The mm. seller found out he could not, keep the good faith deposit because based on the contracts, the good faith deposit does go back to the buyer. If the financing falls through these, our contracts in Kentucky or Louisville are written in favor of the buyers, not the sellers folks. And so 
uh, he decided, the seller decided to hold the furniture in the garage for $5,000 ransom. So Trish or Tish is now out of her home, the one she wanted to buy. She's out furniture and now staying with friends. What can she do, Kev? Another one of these predictions. Wow. Yeah, well, well that's well, that's the thing that usually the difficulty is on uh, closing and possession and trying to work all the movers out. You have a situation it's just a good compromise sometimes to allow the buyer to move it into an empty garage and while it gives them more time for the seller to vacate the property. But in this case, he's basically converting personal property that he does not own and has no right to. So I think that he could get into quite a bit of trouble, not only from a civil standpoint, but perhaps even criminal. And that they, you know, he, he was storing it. She's asked for it back. It's, he knows it's not a property. He has no right to, uh, to, uh, now he can require that she be insured, that she bring license movers to come move it out, things like that, a reasonable approach, but you just can't hold her furniture hostage until you come up with a good faith. Um, so I, again, I think she probably needs to talk to an attorney, mm -hmm. uh, sometime fairly soon and maybe a, a nice, fairly pleasant letter at first would have the gentleman come to his senses a bit we're going to uh, take a break again i wish you the best on this tish um when we come back among the things we're talking about uh, tips from a burglar to help you protect your home with us and continuing till the top of the hour brad lawler owner of home team inspection service 844411 team kevin disler he's one of the head honchos over at pitt and frank attorneys at 502-895-9900 and you can reach me, Bob Sikoler, to help you talk about the plan to list a home this year, next year, or beyond, or to buy a home. You can reach me anytime, day or night, 376-5483. We're back in a moment on News Radio 840 WHAS. Hi, I'm Brad Lawler with Home Team Inspection Service, the area's largest home inspection company. Our teams of dedicated professionals, including many veterans, inspect thousands of homes in Louisville and Southern Indiana each year and team makes all the difference. Extra sets of eyes and overlapping duties means a more thorough inspection and better value for you. Multiple teams mean we're able to inspect your home when you need it. Radon testing, home inspection, termite reports, one call does it all. Get the team, get home team. Pip and Frank has been serving your community for over 30 years in real estate closings and our title professionals educate the real estate industry both locally and throughout the state. Tell your loan officer and realtor to close with Pitt and Frank where we pride ourselves on being your trusted real estate closing expert. Pitt and Frank, signed, sealed and delivered at 502-895-9900. That's 502-895-9900. Shopping for a home? The place to start is REMAX Properties East. Experienced, caring, top-producing agents who service all of Louisville and surrounding areas. On your computer or on your smartphone, head to homesinlouisville.com and sign into one of the most advanced home search sites in the country. That's homesinlouisville.com. Residential or commercial real estate, let the award-winning agents at REMAX Properties East help. Take the first step in your house hunting journey. Visit homesinlouisville.com or call 425-6000 today. People often think that real estate agents market and sell the same way, but they don't. I'm Barbara Corcoran, and I've worked with the best agents throughout the country. Having a local real estate agent who offers great marketing and options to fit your needs is smart. 
in Louisville, the agents I trust and you should hire are Bob and Greg Sokola. If I were selling Louisville, Bob and Greg would be my guys. You deserve the best there is. Bob and Greg, go to WeSellLouisville.com. News Radio 840 WHAS. Thank you, Barbara Corcoran, who is our mentor, friend, and uh, wise businesswoman as well, at knowing her in person. With us as we continue to the top of the hour, Kevin Disler, Pitt & Frank Attorneys at 895-9900. Brad Lawler, owner of Home Team Inspection Service at 844-411-TEAM. My son, Greg, has the day off, and uh, you can reach me to help you with the selling plans, buying plans, anytime, 376 376- Five four eight three. That's three seven six five four eight three. All right, Brad. This is an interesting question for not only you but for all of our listeners. Bill writes us uh, and says, "What should the minimum temperature be on your thermostat in the house during the winter?" So let me ask you that. So and, and then we'll get into the meat of Bill's question. So what should it be if you're going to go away on vacation or out of the house for a, a couple of days or even away for a trip during the day? What would you set at the very minimum of the heat? So I believe, Bob, that most thermostats do not go below 58 degrees. I think 58 is the minimum that you can set a thermostat. Some of the new electronic ones, you may have different settings. Um, However, you're... You're, you're somewhat limited. I know it used to be that you, you would hit 60 and then the next one would just say low. So you, you're probably going to be limited by what the thermostat itself is. Now, there are p- folks who actually will go on vacation and they turn their thermostats off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, just look at the look at the last couple of days that we've dealt with. I mean, we've had what 75, 76, 77 degrees on Wednesday, and now we're you know looking at highs you know around 40, and we're we're going down to what 21 degrees here in the next day or two. Um, the the weather can change very quickly, so it may be tempting to just shut it off. But I would encourage everybody to just leave the thermostat, turn it as cool as you can. Uh, when you leave because it it doesn't take long in some houses for those pipes to freeze up uh, and the damage that one burst pipe can do is going to negate any type of energy savings that you've had uh, shutting those systems off. So you want to make sure that your house doesn't freeze up. Uh, HVAC guys will tell you, the energy you know experts will tell you too, that keeping that lower temperature and not allowing it to go so cold that you have to basically thaw your house out is going to save you energy, particularly if you have, you know, electric, uh, you know, a heat pump that has to run auxiliary heat in order to bring the temperature of the house back up to a, a comfortable zone. It, that burns a lot of energy. So, those big things. yeah. Uh, so the reason that Bill was asking, he says his brother neglected to schedule an oil delivery mm. while he was on vacation and then came home to a home with no heat, two feet of water coming from broken pipes, and then black mold. So Bill is extremely worried about keeping a home at the proper temperature. So folks, don't do like Bill's brother, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Schedule the oil if you're going to be away and make sure the heat. And it might be worth it to have a neighbor or friend come over and check to make sure that the heat is on, right? Okay. We uh, we're We've got some tips. I I think this is fascinating. I'm going to go through these very quickly. If either of you two gents would like to jump on these, um, these are things a burglar won't tell you. So some of these are common. If you had workmen in your house, let them use a bathroom. Be sure to check all the windows and doors to confirm nothing has been left unlatched. Follow that drift. Mm -hmm. Make sure paper, newspapers, mail picked up because 
criminals are looking for those types of clues. If it snows outside, have a neighbor on standby to run their car over your driveway or leave foot tracks to the house to show someone is living there. If you have a glass front door, don't let your alarm company install a control panel where it's visible from the outside because burglars will look to see if it's armed. Burglars also know security companies will arm windows over the sink or they'll look for windows over the sink on the second floor also it's not a bad idea to put motion detectors up there and on the first floor burglars also knock first before you answer the door because they're looking to see if anybody comes to the to the to the door and check clean your gutters i'm not sure why that one's there burglars also know that you won't look in your sub you think they won't look in your sock drawer for valuables, but in fact, they check dresser drawers along with bedside tables and medicine cabinets almost immediately. And I will tell you, having um, been broken into in my house about six years ago, the first thing that, because we came home, the dresser drawers, everything was taken out and thrown around. So it, it does happen. And among all, I think, get an alarm system if you can. It's it, it's more important than you think, especially as the, everything deteriorates uh, in our world mm. from where we are to where we're going. All right, back to you on this thing, Mr. Disler over at right. Frank. Rick has an unusual problem. He is looking at homes in the Louisville area with his agent, and they found one that had been remodeled top to the bottom. That's great. In fact, the owner was there at the time of the showing to explain all the updates. So Rick went home and immediately put in a full price offer with his agent. Two days later, Rick's agent got a call from the listing agent and said he has a problem. The guy who was in the home showing it off turned out not to be the actual seller. Additionally, the signed <laughs> contract was with the guy that Rick and his agent met at the house and that didn't have anything to do with the actual owner. So this this guy took possession of this house and somehow fooled the agent into listing it and then representing him. Rick asks, "Have you ever heard of anything like this happening? What can he do?" Oh yeah, it's a, it, it it used to happen quite a bit after two thousand eight with a lot of empty homes that were in foreclosure. Mm -hmm. And again, once you have access to the property, there, there's an assumption on everyone's part that well, you're living there. Certainly, you have the right to be there. But in a case with the foreclosures in 08, people just left. They turned over the keys, considered a bank problem at that point in time. But in this case, the person was, I guess, impersonating the owner. But you kind of think as we go through the process of trying to close and trying to get some funds, how was he going to pull it off? So that was mm -hmm. kind of my question. Where's the payday at the end of it? Other than like you kind of talked about earlier about crime and just the number of can you say people that have some issues upstairs yeah. that are around? Um, so I, you know, I, the contract would be of course void. You could sue the person that was there impersonating the owner. If you can find there. Him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure he's got a, a massive net worth to go after anyway. So it's yeah. probably just one of those things that you just have to, Hmm. Okay. And then, and then probably move on. All right. Let's head back over to Mr. Uh, Luller. Uh, Georgie had bought a house and was with his inspector as they were about to walk through the house for an inspection. But they were shocked to find on a coffee table in the living room empty liquor bottles or two or three bongs. They went up to the attic and opened the door, Brad, and they found apparently something adult, we won't repeat it, uh, in a corner. 
So Georgie is wondering, is this typical for inspectors to see things like this? And uh, she also wonders, should the items have been reported to the police since some of them could have been illegal? What are your thoughts on that as an inspector? So an inspector is only there to look at the structure of the home. Um, and we don't look at contents. You know, there, I'm, I'm sure there are things in so many homes that we uh, will you know, come across, but they don't make the reports. Um, now, if it's something that is uh, an outright danger to somebody, uh, we're going to report that, you know, back over to the listing agent um, just to make sure that, you know, they, they may not know that there was a, that there was a, a danger in there. Like we came across um, 11 bare wires in a basement here, not that long ago. And mm. one of them actually touched my, the face of my inspector who ended up getting his, uh, his jaw, the muscle in his jaw kind of locked up for a while, but the dangerous things like that, we will report. The other thing, a lot of times when we're doing commercial inspections and we do a lot of these, um, particularly in multifamily homes uh, or apartment complexes, there are areas that have locks on say hatches that go into the attic and we have to gain access to those because we have to check firewalls and, and other systems in those attics. Oftentimes the tenants uh, will put their own locks on there because they're using them as personal storage areas. And we've run into some situations where landlords have had to go in, remove the locks for us to gain access. And the landlords come across items and paraphernalia that mm -hmm. would be mm -hmm. illegal. So as the home inspector, I mean, we're, you know, we're out of that, but uh, those there's been quite a few times that landlords have had to deal with um, illegal paraphernalia stored in, in areas that were not, technically accessible to those to those tenants so that's a long way of saying bob we don't really care about the contents <laughs> of the house that's <laughs> not what we're looking at but uh -huh. it happens yeah it does happen if you are thinking about selling your home now or in the future we can help you go to bobsellmyhome.com that's bobsellmyhome.com fill out the form and we will reach out to you all right kevin i think we got time for one more question right. for you that cora actually writes in her mom was selling her her home. This is her mom's home. They had accepted an offer and were scheduled to close at the end of this month, November. But a couple of days ago, Cora's mom passed away. Ooh. And now no one in the family can find the will. So they're wondering how to handle this. And this also brings Ooh. up a really good point for all of our listeners. But let's talk about this first. No will that can be found. How, where would you go on this? Where would you go to try to find one? Well, or, no, and what uh, would the okay, next step legal. be? Yeah, what's Well, the next you step? know, and we have the situation come up. Technically, it becomes part of the mother's estate. I'm assuming she was not married. Most most couples take with survivorship. Mm -hmm. um, in which case, you can go in testate and go to probate court and getting a, get a family member appointed to be the personal representative of the estate. Uh, usually in that situation, you have to post a bond. I think the appeal period is 30 days. So say that Bob gets appointed. You still could not sign a deed for a period of 30 days to allow any party that may be aggrieved a, a chance to appeal. Um, that's why I suggest sometimes in situations where, where you have an elderly person, what we'll do is we'll either set up a quick LLC, a quick trust, put the property in that just so this, this situation doesn't occur. And like I said, you can do it, but it's going to probably extend the closing date 60 to 90 days in order to get it closed. And these days with interest rates and what they're doing, if you delay, you may lose a, a rate lock. It gets very expensive. Then the question is, okay, if you have to pay $1,000 to extend the rate lock, 
should the buyer be responsible for that? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. 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 So I think we talked about before, it's really, everybody needs to get a will. Uh, even And it, that's the point, right? Isn't yeah. it? That's what we need to talk about more than anything else is take a lesson from this. Don't let your loved ones hang. If something should happen to you, uh, make, make it kind of a holiday um, plan to, to talk to an attorney, right? Well, and that's a you need, you need a will. You need a power of attorney, and then you need a uh, living will, which is basically appointing someone to take care of your health care decisions. Uh, I can just say quickly, power of attorney, the, the, it's in the state statute. It's a state form you can download. You can download the living will. Uh, I don't suggest it, but you can go online and get a will downloaded for free. Uh, anything's better than nothing, but it's best to have an attorney in that process. But this happens so often, Bob, yeah. that it's amazing the percentage of people that don't have wills. And Kevin, you can do this. You and the attorneys at Pitt and Frank can also help on this, correct? Correct. And yep. we have done a, in situations where maybe a death is imminent, we will put together a quick trust and put the property in the trust just so that the transaction is not going to be held up. All right. With that said, we are going to say goodbye to Kevin Disler at Pitt and Frank Attorneys, and you can reach him not only for closings, but for wills and, and the like. 895-9900. Also, Brad Lawler, owner of Home Team Inspection Service, 844-411-TEAM. Thank you, guys. And you can reach me anytime to help you with your home list, plan, sell, buy, whatever it might be. 376-5483. That's 502-376. Five four eight three. We're out of time. See you next Sunday on News Radio eight forty WHAS.